1: One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball.
0: It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions.
1: Welcome in, everyone, to another edition of Red Sox Beat here again, of course, for clnsradio.com. Of course, as always, I'm joined Bye, fellow Red Sox beat writer Nathan Rollins. I am Jared Scally. Nate, how are you doing this week?
0: Doing good. How about yourself?
1: Not too bad. Not too bad. Quick week though. Did fly by. I had some good football yesterday, so it was a quick week. But I'm ready to go. We're ready and excited to get going here again for Red Sox beat, of course. Before I do, I just of course want to get through some housekeeping stuff for you guys. I just want to sit here and just promote you guys, saying that basically we want to get you guys to get onto our YouTube account. So www.youtube.com backslash CLNS radio. You're going to get great stuff, high definition locker room interviews, full length locker room interviews, garden report, obviously one's a Celtic startup, which is a all HD post game stuff right from the parquet floor. We pride ourselves on that of course. And just, we want you to really go ahead and check out our YouTube. It's great. we got great stuff up there. Good exclusive contact just for our CLNS listeners. So please go on there and check that out. Now, there has been a lot of stuff happening in the last week of baseball, some tight races, all that stuff going on. But breaking news today, as of 9-22, when, obviously when this is happening, the Atlanta Braves decided to dismiss general manager Frank Wren. Now, this is a day after the Braves formally and mathematically have, were dismissed from the playoff contention. Now, for me, I mean, Frank Wren did a decent job, and he, he was the one who signed Dan Ugla and Justin Upton, and B.J. Upton, excuse me, to the Atlanta Braves. And a lot of people are kind of considering those signings to, as his demise. Now, before I keep rambling on, Nate, what do, what's your whole take on the situation?
0: Um, I think it's a pretty smart move by the Braves. I mean, you're looking at a guy who gave a, a, a five-year, $75 million uh, deal to B.J. Upton. Um, he's not panned out. Uh, questionable decision to bring in Dan Ugler As we know, Dan Uggla didn't last in Atlanta. I mean, this this team had the talent, and, you know, coming into this season, one thing we thought the Braves needed was a pitcher. They let Tim Hudson go. They didn't didn't really bring in that pitcher to pan out. Irvin Santana, a uh, little wishy-washy. But, I mean, a surprise move by the Braves, definitely, but uh looks like they're heading in a different direction.
1: I think surprise move is definitely, I think a lot of fans didn't see it coming, even though they were. They have been bad as of late. They haven't been making the playoffs, and they haven't really been the Atlanta Braves that we're used to seeing. And, of course, notable for agent signings, like we said, BJ Upton and Dan Ugla, and of course, he signed Derek Lowe as well in 2009 for a four-year, $60 million contract, which I think Derek Lowe did all right for Atlanta for his time there. It wasn't, I don't think that was notably as bad as the BJ Upton and Dan Ugla signing for sure, but. Again on Ugla, he just hasn't panned out. He never really panned out for them. He didn't really pan out for the Florida Marlins either. Well, now Miami Marlins. But he, I think Ugla was just kind of on the slide of his career and got paid just as he was about to enter the downsides. Uh, B.J. Upton, honestly, when he signed that contract, I was kind of iffy about it, but it kind of made sense because he was such a talented player and he did so much, so many good things for the race here in the AL East. So. That one I looked at and said, okay, that's a good signing. But that now, as, it, as it's played out, of course, it's been a terrible signing for them. He's sitting under 200 this year and just not a gr- good signing, of course, for Wren. Now, Wren's out, and they have a committee of three guys, including Bobby Cox, to come in and work on the hiring of the new GM. Now, what do you think of them bringing in Bobby Cox, Nate?
0: I, uh, I do like the Bobby Cox moving. Uh uh, just not to mention this, but uh, they did bring in John Hart as the intern GM. Uh, mm-hmm. Hart, of course, spent 13 wonderful years as the Cleveland Indians GM, and he's been on the MLB Network since 2009. But I think Bobby Cox is definitely a good baseball guy. Uh, he knows Atlanta, and uh, he knows what's best for the team. He's had, he's had success in Atlanta, and um, if anyone, if they'd pick anyone to come back to that team, he's definitely a good guy to bring back.
1: Yeah, Bobby Cox, of course, is obviously the all-time manager for the Braves, and he, I think he's got, like you said, Nate, he's got that that sense of baseball in him. He's got that baseball mind. So, for them to bring in Bobby Cox, I think it was ultimately the best decision because he, I don't know how to say this? I guess he he he'll know what's best for the team because he knew what was best for the team for so long. Um, they have Hart, Cox, and Scherholz, obviously going at it for the Braves in terms of looking for a new GM. Now, looking for a new GM, I'm not going to sit here and tell you guys that I know who's in line, who's what. I think they're going to really take a long, good hard long look at this situation and see what's going to happen in terms of they want to find a guy who's going to be here long-term and really help them bring Atlanta back, especially going into their new stadium. I don't know if John Hart's the answer. Obviously, he's the interim, but he could be the answer. I don't know, but I feel like they're going to go out of they're going to go out of um organization here and find someone else. Do you you think, Nate, real quick, do you think Hart has any chance at all of being the full-time guy?
0: I... You know, he he could he very well could end up. Uh, it's it's all who's out there. It's all who they feel comfortable bringing in. It's you know what are they looking for? Are they looking for a guy who's you know skilled at drafting or a guy who who hit, hit or miss on free agents? You know you gotta you gotta really gauge what they're looking for in the GM. But uh, Hart's an experienced guy. I mean, he's no joke. And if they were gonna go with Hart as the GM, that that wouldn't be a bad pick at all. I uh, Like you said, you, you never really know where a team's going to go with the GM.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. You have to obviously find the right guy. A lot of teams struggle before they find the right guy. Um, hopefully for the Braves, I'm, I'm a big Braves organization fan. Hopefully they can find their success sooner rather than later, but you never know how long this could take depending on if they find the right guy right away. But I think with that trio, I think they will find the right guy. Just quick notes, Braves won the NL East last year, their first division title since 2005. But they couldn't, uh, they had a very, an offense that was very strikeout prone and they couldn't get a bat on the ball in the playoffs. Now, despite that, that was their first really successful year since 2005, of course, when they won that last division. So really, last year was their first successful year under Wren. Uh This September, they went 4-14, and uh, which people are comparing to the collapse of 2011. They went 9-18 in the final month, blew an eight and a half game lead, wild card lead that year, and were eliminated on the last day of the season. Now, yes, the Braves were in contention for a little while. Now, did this team have the talent to go far? Maybe. They they played themselves out of contention, obviously, like like noted, but I don't think this team was going anywhere anyway, and I think the new GM is definitely a thing that needs to happen. They need to find a direction. They need to find a guy who's willing to get out there and make the right decisions. Again, Ugla, Upton weren't really great decisions. I think Law was an okay decision out of the notable big bigger contracts that he signed but overall, I just don't think he did a really great job there. And I think that he's going to be – he's definitely – I don't know if he's going to find another job. Who knows? But I, I think the Braves will figure themselves out and overall move on Move on, very, very successful, possibly next year. Nate, do you think next year is reasonable for them to find a new GM and move through quickly and maybe make the playoffs next year?
0: Yes, I'd say, I mean, you've got to look at it, whatever GM's going to inherit this team. I mean – He's got a good core of guys. You know, Tayron's a very good starting pitcher. You got Kimball, one of the most elite closers at the back end. Freeman, an all star first baseman. As you mentioned, you got Justin Upton in the outfield. Uh, Simmons is no joke at shortstop. So whoever comes in is inheriting a good team. It's it, You know, I said it before, it's just, is he going to be able to sign those starting pitchers to plug into that rotation? Because, like the Red Sox, they're going to be in the market for starting pitching. Which they don't have many at all, and if the next general manager of this team is going to have to get that front of the line starter,
1: yes, they need. They definitely need that pitching. They definitely need help there. Now we'll see. Obviously, see how that plays out going out in the, through the winter. Season's over in a week. They'll so starting in a week. They'll have, they'll start to search slow and steady. Obviously, you won't hear any news probably until the winter but they, they, I'm sure they're already starting their look now, and we'll focus more on it once the season gets over next week. Other MLB news here, Nate, before we kind of get onto to some local Red Sox stuff. Uh, the commissioner today announced that this, he uh, he conducted a conference call with a committee that will study the pace of play of baseball. Now, baseball is, baseball is a great game, and we love it, and we do, and, but a lot, a lot of the hype for the people who don't watch it as much or don't like it as much is the, the pace of it and how long the games take. Some Yankee Red Sox games take four and a half hours. It takes a while and pitchers coming in and out of the batter's box and all this stuff. So there's ways to fix it. Selig announced today that he started talks and he started working with a, com- um, a committee for t- to study basically just pace of play. And he wants to work on things this winter to, to start having some new rules and regulations and try to figure out pace of play as early as next season. And that's a quick turnaround for just starting a committee now. Now, in his press conference, he, he was quoted saying, We have the greatest game in the world, but we are always looking for ways to improve it. The game is at its highest levels of popularity, and we will continue to strive to identify ways that can build on its stature well into its fu- the future. With the cooperation of all appropriate parties, we can make progress on improving the pace of play, and we will have recommendations in the very near future for the 2015 season. I believe this group has the experience and the perspective to be mindful of our game's traditions while being creative about our approach in the future. Now, Nate, I don't know if you saw this. I'm I'm assuming you did, but what what I take out of this is we get we have a problem, but we don't want to hurt baseball too much to fix the problem.
0: Yes, uh, that's exactly what I got out of it, too. I mean, you look at the base, average baseball game now, and it's hovering around 3 hours and 33 minutes, and that that's up an hour from uh, a couple years ago, and, you know, that is definitely a concern. For me, I could sit through a baseball game for 10 hours, but for other people who are just trying to sit down and enjoy an average baseball game or even go to a baseball game, nobody really wants to be sitting in a park for 4 or 5 hours, and, um you know, I look at some of the guys who are going to, Help lead the study. I'm looking at Tom Ward or Michael Gordon. Those are some good baseball minds to, uh, to uh, really test their, test their knowledge at how we can, we can speed up this game. I mean, you look at some of these pitches like Beckett, for instance, taking a, a good minute between a pitch. There's no need for that. So little, little tweaks like that, I'm hoping can, uh, speed up the game and get these ratings back up because the ratings of baseball games have fallen significantly in the past couple of years.
1: One, Two other notable guys for me on the list of guys on this committee would have to be Joe Torre and Tony Clark. Now, I, I obviously Joe Torrey kind of goes unspoken. He's a great baseball mind, and he gets baseball, and he's done so much for baseball since retiring from coaching. I like Tony Clark because he's he's coming from the player side. He's he's with the Players Association, and he can work with the players, and he you know, he knows what the players need to to succeed. And that can get a good balance of just these money-hungry guys wanting to fix the game, whereas this is a former player in Tony Clark now working with the players saying, well, hold up. We can't change too much because this will make the product worse because some things players just still need to do. So I, I like that good balance there. But again, for me, I, th- I think the biggest thing, like you said, is like pit- te- got pitchers taking forever in between pitching. Like Clay Buchholz used to take forever in between pitchers. He still kind of does, but they got him... To fix a little bit there, but other other notable situations, even in the past, no Mar Garcia para with the boxing, the batting gloves, stepping out between every pitch and fixing him, even though he didn't need to. Like I'm sick of that stuff, you know. It just needs to get fixed. It needs to get taken out of the game. Now there's a there's an actual rule in the playbook, in the in the rule book, that states the guys can't step out of the batter's box. Yet guys take three, four, five, even 10 seconds to step out of the batter's box, fix all their stuff every, between every pitch and get signs, whereas as long as you have one foot in the batter's box you're supposed to you're supposed to keep one foot in the batter's box and you're not supposed to step out so that the pitcher can throw whenever he's ready and the ump and the ump has to have the discretion enough to sit there and decide one way or the other if the uh, the player's taking too long come on and says hurry up whatever but and i think the umps don't do a good enough job in enforcing that yet that also comes from baseball major league baseball with the fact that they don't enforce it enough you know that they, there's no re- repercussions for players taking too long from the top down. The management doesn't really have anything to f- penalize these guys for taking, making the game longer, and therefore the umps can enforce it, but they can't enforce it because there's nothing really scaring the players away from doing it.
0: Yes, uh you mentioned there's no real enforcement, but, I mean, what are you going to do? Suspend the guy? I mean, fine the guy? You've seen plenty of the guys in the NFL get fined. Like, for example, Marshawn Lynch gets fined tens of thousands of dollars for wearing shoes. You're just going to fine the guy in the MLB, and, you know, that that's nothing. $10,000 out of their pocket. They'll keep doing it. And uh, Eventually, I don't have an issue with the batter stepping out of the box as much as I do with the pitchers taking – as much time in between the pitches, because I look at the batters, and some of them, it's part of their routine. Like, Nomar with the gloves, I, I used to love watching him do that. I just thought when Nomar was up, you, that, that just got him going. The gloves, something about it, just got, got him in the zone. Manny with the uh, yeah bat roll, rolling around, Ortiz steps out of the box, walks around a little bit. But the pitches, I mean, sometimes you have a batter standing in the box, and you got a pitcher eyeing down the catch. For so like I'd mentioned, a good thirty to forty-five seconds. In my opinion, that's really what's slowing up the game.
1: Yeah, pitchers definitely bef- definitely take a while. Obviously, there's the element of um, pickoff moves comes into play when they throw over a bunch of times. But that you really can't eliminate that because that's part of the cat and mouse game of base running. So that and that's exciting, I think, for a lot of most baseball fans. But I think this committee, really, Nate, is going towards the, the casual fan, I think it's trying to get that, like you said in the beginning of this whole conversation, get that casual fan back in this game. I think the diehard baseball fans aren't going anywhere. You and I aren't going anywhere. We're going we're gonna to sit here and watch baseball until we die or until the game implodes on itself. That's not going cha- to change. But they're trying to get those guys, and we, we have friends, I'm sure you have friends too, but I know I do, who say, oh, baseball, that's boring. I can't watch a whole game. Or people who have baseball in the background doing other things. A lot of people can't sit and watch nine-inning game without doing something else or flipping channels. Yes, I and I, and I and I think that's a big problem. Now, I think, honestly, it's, it's different than soccer, but I think soccer's got it down hour to an hour 45, hour and a half, plus some stoppage time, game's over. Get, you, get your business done and be done with it. And I think the baseball needs to figure out a way. Obviously, you're not going to get a game down to an hour and a half, but they've got to find some little things here and there to really fix this.
0: Yes, they they do have to look for little tweaks and it's going to have to start with the uh, the pitching uh may put a little time of 15 seconds I know that's what they try and hold it to and uh batters I mean if if you got to cut them walking around you got to do it but the casual fan is is um Losing interest in baseball, and you know that's a shame. With all the lacrosse coming up, and people liking soccer and all that, and there's so much on during baseball games now that uh, you really got to get the casual fan back into it. And um, if, if it's shortening the game, it unfortunately has to be shortening the game.
1: Now, with shortening shortening the game might take some things away from it. Now, I know where I stand on this, but I'm gonna let you, I want I want to see what you stand on this first. Is the whole? There's been a debate over the years of shortening the game in terms of innings. What do you, what's your stand on possibly getting to seven innings and not playing nine?
0: I, I would not do that because that would take away the element that we look for in pitchers. I mean, how long can they stay in the game? That's what makes the pitchers money. What pitch can you have that go out there, throw a complete game? I mean, I there's just so much to watch for in a baseball game that if I was – I was just hear that it was shortened to seven game uh innings, excuse me that I would not be too happy at that at all because I mean, I know I could sit like I mentioned earlier, sit through a game and watch twenty two innings of it there's just so much I love the pitching, the hitting the strategy there's just so much to win a baseball game, and I think the shorter the shorter you get it, the less skill it's going to take to win it
1: yeah i'm definitely i think I don't think I have to argue with you on this one the whole i mean. From a baseball fan's point of view, I will say this, nine innings needs to stay, but I'm sure a lot of those casual fans will sit here and say, oh, yeah, that actually would be better. I'd sit and watch a whole seven-inning game, no problem. But I think that's that's one element that I don't think baseball will even consider, because that, that would be basically doing too much to, in affecting the game while trying to make a small change. Change. So I think that's one of those things that they're talking about when, when Bud Sealy comes out and says, we're not... We're not changing. We're not doing that because we're not going to risk the game just for that. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, I, I do know what you mean. And, um, the extra ratings, that's, that's a different story. I mean, I also heard some people saying ties in baseball. That I would not stand for that either. I mean, that's one of the things I... Just like about soccer, the ties, the fact that you could sit there and watch a game for hours upon hours and it end in a tie. Football, yes, you get the tie, but it very rarely happens. You'll get a tie maybe once in every two years. Hockey, the tie, yes, you can get a tie, but, I mean, with the points, that just adds a different element. The uh, length of the game definitely cannot be changed with the innings uh, factor in that at all.
1: Yeah, there's definitely... I definitely will think that they might visit the extra inning thing only because they you have these games. Obviously, it's a rarity, but they're they're happening more often Nate. Is yes, these they games are. that are going 18 innings, 19 innings, yep. and I mean, it doesn't happen enough to say try to change it. But is there something that they can do in baseball to even consider the option of maybe capping it or something? And maybe if they if it's like a game where they are not ending a series, can they, like, finish the game the next day and kind of do, like, a half-game doubleheader thing? Is there anything like that where you can cap these, like, games from going 18 or 19 innings? Does it make sense to me to you? Because I don't think it does to me.
0: Well, I know it sounds pretty foolish saying it now, and uh, for the baseball fan, the old-time baseball fan, it may sound foolish, but I did hear something of live pitching. You get uh, bullpen arms throwing to batters similar to a hockey a shootout, just home runs and I know it sounds crazy now nobody could think of baseball doing that but I would not be too opposed to that I mean something worked worked in with uh hitting and pitching um in extra innings once it hits 15 maybe see who can hit the most home runs doubles something along get the most bases something along the lines of that uh, determining baseball games
1: you know they should do Nate. They should have a uh, they should have a um, wiffle ball style competition with just a pitcher. Yep. And just just a pitcher and a batter, and you play it out until you get uh, maybe ground balls or outs, and then once you get three outs, you're done. And, or even a home run derby, like you said. I kind of like the home right or home run home run derby. I don't know if you want to call it a derby, more of a shoot off type. Yes, thing. I
0: like it too. I think it would be a home good
1: run. idea. Uh, Bud Selig, if you're listening. Get on that. Home run swing off. Home run swing off. Um, I kind of like that though, because it it makes sense. Cap it at 15. And then, I mean, I know a lot of people in hockey, the diehard hockey fans, if we're going to cross here, cross sports, they don't like the shootout, but most casual fans love watching a shootout. And that attracts people to games, watching highlights, watching, following the team if they went into a shootout. I like that for baseball. Obviously that if that happens, it's not going to be next season, but I kind of like that idea because not to go f- too far off, but I like it because then it also gives another element to it. It's oh, we can watch these guys who weren't doing well tonight. Maybe David Ortiz went 0 for 4, still hit a home run and get my money's worth. Yes, and make them and make them want to come back or have a guy who didn't play that night come off the bench and hit hit a home run to win the game in the swing off versus not get to play or maybe strike out in a pinch hit situation. Now. Baseball purists might hate me for saying that, but I think that might be good for the game eventually, moving down the road.
0: Yes, not actually. Uh, was thinking about this uh, earlier in the year, and I was thinking that uh, you, you bring in one bullpen arm, whoever you want, and uh, go through the lineup once, and two swings a guy, and yeah, it will tally up the home runs on both sides, and we'll see who wins.
1: I like that a lot, and you can pinch hit, pinch hit whoever you want if you have people on the bench still, and that's it. And then and, and you basically at one time for the lineup, little league style, everyone hits in the lineup, who's in the lineup and then go. And I like that because then that, like I said, it brings in, it gives the owners a chance and the league a chance to make some more money because people will say and go, Oh, even if my guy isn't playing tonight, I'm happy to be able to go to the game and pay the ticket prices because I have a chance to see them play if they go to a, a swing off in 15 innings or so on and so forth. And then you could also make it you could even make that a thing at the All-Star game because then you could do the home run derby, but then you could do, like, say, night of the game, you could do uh, before the game starts, do a swing off with the, line, the starting lineups to the All-Star game and see who wins before the game there, and you could in- integrate it there as well.
0: Yes, yes, you, you really could, and I think it would be a good element to add to the game.
1: So I, I, I think that it's definitely something to consider. I think, honestly, I've, everything that I can think of and everything that you and me are talking about, I think that's probably the best thing that you we could come up with at this point because there's really nothing major like between shortening the game at all. You can't really you can't really put it to seven innings without tarnishing the, ga- the game of baseball itself. You're also ending the careers of the, sh- the middle relievers and even some long relievers. Um, you can't enforce the idea of like some guy. Stepping out of the box, he gets fined. That's not going to change anything. It's like fining for flopping in the NBA. Guys are still going to flop. So it's just you can't really do that. You can enforce it a little bit and kind of hurry it up, but there's no. I don't know how you're going to put a rule on that. So this committee definitely has
0: their hands full.
1: (laughs) Their hands full for sure. They definitely are going to be struggling, and they definitely need to figure this out to just to get the idea of what can they can do and. The game is so concrete, of it's been the same for so long, they've changed little things here and, lo- here, and lo- here and there, but I think it's going to be really difficult for this, I'm, I applaud Bud Selig, don't get me wrong, I applaud Bud Selig for seeing this as the issue, the major issue of baseball and trying to fix it, I applaud him for that, but this is the first step of a long process, now I don't know what they're going to do for next year, because he claims they could have something in play for next season, it's going to be a long winter for that committee if they want to have something in plan for next season, because... That Like, we're having trouble thinking of something now. The only thing we can think of is a swing, home run swing off in the 15th inning to make this game more watchable. So I don't know what, and that's not really as practical as people would think. And that, and that's not probably not going to be the first thing that that committee thinks of. So they definitely have their work cut out for them, and I'm intrigued to see how the winter plays off and obviously all the other moves in the free agency, but I'm intrigued to see how that plays out this winter and see if, they really push forward with this committee as much as they say they want to and if they can really get a plan in action for 2015 because, look, if they don't have anything in plan for opening day 2015, I can't see them saying halfway through the season, oh, we have something to play now. If they, if they don't have anything ready for opening day in April, they're not going to have anything in set for anything next year because they shouldn't implement it halfway through the season. They need, it's either for opening day or they wait to 2016. So I, I, I definitely think baseball definitely has their work cut out for them. Before we move on, I just want to remind everyone that you can get to us, CLNS that is, at Twitter, at clnsradio.com backslash Twitter, Facebook, same thing, only backslash Facebook. And personally, for the Red Sox Beat, you can get to our Twitter, at Red Sox Beat. We will have a Facebook up soon. We, I, I will get We will get to that soon. It should be up before next week's podcast, I hope, working on it. And, of course, our iTunes and Stitcher pages, Red so- uh, clnsradio.com backslash RSB iTunes, or clnsradio.com backslash RSB Stitcher. Greatly appreciated. Go on and share those and get the word out about CLNS Radio. Now, Nate, I want to shift gear back to local Red Sox a little bit here. Um, just in the last week, I mean, we can sit here and do this. Why not? And we got we only got a week left of baseball, so we might as well enjoy it while we have it. Uh, they played pirates and the orioles this week since we last talked since we last chatted here on clns radio and the red sox beat so they got swept by the pirates not really surprised they played like crap they scored three total runs they were outscored 16 to 3 in pittsburgh and then they take two out of three from the orioles but i don't really put too much stock in that because the orioles have already won the division but i think from that road trip just those two series just from the pirates series in the Orioles series. What do you take out of that series that was promising for even just the young guys? Because the Vets, we know what they have. We know what they can do. What do you you think the highlight of the the end of this road trip was for the Red Sox?
0: The end of the road trip, I would have to say the uh, Chris Kelly performance. What an excellent performance. Um, Excuse me, Joe Kelly yesterday. uh, I was going to say,
1: that's Bruins.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Pitching absolutely lights out. And Mujica looks like a solid find at the end of the pen. And he looks like he's in line to be the closer for next season. I don't know about you. What you think?
1: Um, I like well, Moika pitched well. Now, obviously, he had a rough season, but I think in this closing role, he's, he's proven well. Now, I'm intrigued to see how he handles it next year once it's a clean slate and there's a little more pressure on the team. But I think going into next year, Moika is a solid option. I would not go back to sign Jonathan Papelbon. Side note that people I've heard it come up. I would never do that. I don't think he wants to come here anyway. No, thank you. Moika um, was definitely, I think, solid for me. I think Rusni Castillo was a little disappointing to me. Um, if we want to go to the, the low route as well. Now, obviously, I couldn't expect too much from this guy because he hasn't played. And, yeah, he played for the minors, but it's different a whole different animal versus playing, specifically those two series, playing against teams who are both going to be in the playoffs most likely and an Orioles team would just smoke you in the division, I think, you can't really take too much stock into it. He did get his first stolen base. He got a hit. He got a few hits, obviously. So I think it's on the lookup for him. But don't be surprised if the Red Sox are in a market, potentially, for a left-handed bat. It could be a center fielder if they don't believe Castillo can handle the pressure right away. And we'll see, obviously, in the winter how that pays off. But I think you're I think you're right on that one. I think Xander Bogarts has still been playing well. He was playing well on the road trip. I think defensively he was solid. Um. Vasquez, Vasquez is obviously never really a downfall except for his offense, but defensively he was great. Um, I'll give a shout out, of course, to my knuckleballer boy, Stephen Wright, pitched pretty solidly. Um, I would say out of the young guys pitching the, the best, well, not the young guy, he's not really young, but I'd say out of all the prospects, he's pitched the best in the last week. And I think he has a shot, again, like we talked about last week to crack the bullpen, or even the rotation next year. So I think, but I think overall the high for me was definitely Mohica, pitched solid, um, closing out some games there, and, and especially in Baltimore. And I think next year you have to you have to really wonder what they're going to do with Koji, especially because you have Mohica sitting there, you have him pitching lights out so far for you now, and Koji's old. I mean, if you can get him for cheap, sure, and see what happens, and then keep Mohica for the eighth inning, and possibly even switch him and have Koji in the eighth and Mohica in the ninth, if you really want to keep Koji. But I would definitely keep an eye on that as well, Nate. I don't know what you think they're going to do with Koji, but. I th- I got to think that Mohika might be their main guy going into next season.
0: Yes, I think is definitely going to be considered to be the main guy at the uh, back end of the bullpen and uh I don't see how you can move him out of that role until he uh he really screws up and Koji Koji all along we thought he was going to be the setup guy in the Sox. He, uh, last year he pitched his way into the starting ro- uh excuse me the closes role and um looks like he may have pitched himself back into the setup role, but if the Sox do decide to retain him, um It'd be a pretty solid uh, guy to look to set up uh, set up Mojica.
1: I def I definitely think that going into next year, the Sox would be stupid to. I think they would be stupid to try not give Koji a chance, but I just think they would be stupid to have him be their closer right away, seeing the fatigue and. Don't forget everyone that he was expected to, when he came here from Texas, he wasn't expected to have that heavy of a workload. He was supposed to be a seventh or eighth inning guy not pitching that much. And he ended up pitching every day almost every day, becoming the third option as a closer when, when uh, Han and Bailey both didn't work out that year when they both got hurt. so he wasn't supposed to be this guy who were over overhauled your closing responsibility last season. It just worked out that he pitched really well in all those pressure situations. but you, I think you're kind of seeing it now. He's been overworked, and he's getting tired, and he hasn't pitched that much on the stretch. And when he does, it's low pressure, eighth-inning situations. And, look, that's probably going to be his role if he comes back next year. I don't think he has the mental or more or less physical fatigue to get through a whole season as the Red Sox closer.
0: No, I don't. Uh, You know, age is a factor in this, Uh, definitely.
1: Oh, definitely. Age is a big, big, big factor in that as well. Now, with Mojica being your your star, your rise of the road trip. Now, no more road games for the Red Sox. Finishing off the week, winning off, off the season with the rest of this week. They got a three game series with the Rays, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Of course, the Yankees come to town. Derek Jeter's farewell tour comes into town. We'll get to that in a minute because we won't talk to you, lovely people, again until after the Jeter farewell tour takes its final stop here at Fenway Park in Boston. But how boring of a week is this week going to be for this Red Sox team? Besides the whole Jeter thing, one, the MLB's got to be kicking themselves because the scheduler expected the Rays and the Yankees to be playing the Red Sox these, this week, battling them for a <laughs> playoff spot. And now you have the two, the three worst teams in the division playing for absolutely nothing. They're playing to try to not be the the dead crap at the bottom of the division, yet the Red Sox have clearly already won that right. And... The Yankees are not really going to be in it. They're not in the playoff. They can't make. They're not going to make the wild card. There's no really no chance. They're not, I don't think they're mathematically out of it yet. Yes, they're
0: mathematically eliminated.
1: They are mathematically eliminated. Okay, yes. then screw that. There's nothing to play for. Nothing. Nothing at all. No. All three. They're, they're going to be crap. So this week of baseball, now I'm going to be watching. I'm encouraging you all to still watch because these young guys are still fun to watch. They're, they got a great personality in the clubhouse. They're fun to watch around each other. Heck, you did just. I don't know if anyone saw it, but they did the annual rookie dressing up of uh the rookies and all the new guys staff staff and players included coming home from the road trip you saw uh the, my favorite one nate was the uh was rusne castillo dressed up as mugatu from oh what's the name of the movie now i'm blanking so we'll uh oh I'm, i'll remember it in a minute but it was really great i enjoyed it and, and the rookie of the rookies dressed up as ninja turtles and all this stuff, and I love that ritual. I think that's a baseball ritual, not just a Red Sox ritual, but that's a great one. And I really love that. Nate, did she the picture?
0: No, I, I actually missed that, um, but it sounds pretty cool, and I'll look it up uh, the remainder of the podcast.
1: Definitely, uh, definitely check that out. Not not just you, Nate. Everyone included, if you haven't seen it, uh, I believe they it was uh, Mookie Betts, maybe Weeks, who Instagrammed the picture from the airplane this morning i believe or maybe last night when they left baltimore but definitely check that out if you have a chance to uh you're not you're not going to be able to miss Ruzney castillo that's for sure and the rest of the players all dressed up and going crazy for their uh athletes david ortiz even dressed up a little bit was wearing a sombrero while taking pictures on his ipad so even ortiz getting in on the fun a little bit there but which i love i love that but i think this week's gonna be really boring um, to be to to be really to be honest, um, Now I think you might still get some good baseball out of it because each every team like the Rays are kind of the Rays are bad, the Yankees are not great, and the Red Sox are playing well, but they're obviously not good. So I think you're going to get good baseball between crap teams. You're going to get close games. You're going to get you might get a pitching duel here and there. See how Buckholz does in these starts. I think, really, we got to look forward to the weekend. I think the Rays are kind of – I think we're all going to overlook the Rays series because we know what's coming this weekend. We all thought the J- Derek Jeter tour might be a way of us keeping them out of the playoffs or a fight for the division even, but it's just the Derek Jeter tour. Now, I don't know about you, Nate, but I kind of hope the Red Sox don't overdo it, but I know they're going to.
0: Yes, I, I'm i personally not the biggest fan of Derek Jeter. I know everyone says, oh, you got to be a fan of hey, him if you're a baseball fan and all that. Uh, but uh, I respect the guy, but I'm with you. I hope to God they don't overdo it because at the end of the day, it is the Red Sox and it is the Yankees and they don't like each other.
1: And I think, and I think honestly, I think they're going to overdo it. I think we're both, as, far, as much as we don't want to see it, or as so much as some of us don't want to see it, it's that, look what they did for Mo last year, Mario Rivera, when he left. He, he got signed the bullpen. He got a huge deal. He got a standing ovation from these fans. And
0: well, Jer- obviously that's part, Jared. That's part of I was at a Red Sox-Yankees game earlier in the year, and something I I thought I'd mention to you is that, um, I don't know if any of our listeners were there, but Derek Jeter was getting a louder ovation than any of the Red Sox players when he stepped up to the plate. I thought that was kind of uh, (laughs) not right a little bit.
1: That is a symbol of what Derek Jeter wanted from this season. He he announced he was this was his last season at the beginning of the year because he saw what Mariano Rivera got and wanted that tour. He wanted that attention. Yeah. Now, David Ortiz has come, has come out. We've seen most people have probably seen the quilts, if not everyone, saying that if it was him, he would have just after the year, seen it out and just been okay and decide after the season. Basically saying I don't know how you can decide before a season whether it was going to be your last one or not. And I think he's kind of right in the sense of Derek Jeter. Like, the Yankees are getting old, and I get it, but I, I, if I was a Major League Baseball player, I wouldn't know the beginning of the season going into spring training that I want this to be my last year.
0: No, most certainly not. And
1: because if I'm- you, like, say, say the Yankees were closer, and they, got, and they barely missed the playoffs, so they lost, and they have a chance to come back next year. And you, and you said it was your last year, but you said, oh, wait, we have a chance next year. I kind of want to come back and try it again. Then it, you look bad for bailing on your word and getting all these gifts and then bailing out. And playing again anyway.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's Brett Favre for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, basically. But no one gave Brett Favre gifts. <laughs> no, so,
0: absolutely not.
1: <laughs> but, but, um, so I think Ortiz was right in that sense of why would you announce that so early? Why, how don't even know how you'd be able to announce that so early because of the way the season could play out and you don't know. Now, look, it worked out that they weren't going to make the playoffs, so the last week of the season is all about Derek Jeter. And he's not having and I'm sure the best
0: he, year of his career, not to mention <laughs>
1: No, the numbers state that he should probably be retiring anyway. He's getting old. He's not. He's not as good on defense. His hitting hasn't been as great. His the home run he hit at Yankee Stadium recently was the first home run he hit since like last year at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. He's not. He's not the same player. He should retire. I, it makes sense. But the way he did it is all wrong. Now, most people will probably say that. Well, if he did it because Mo did it, I get it. He probably did. But I think Mo has. It's tough because they, it seems like they have the same respect level in Major League Baseball, but for some reason, I'm okay with Mariano Rivera doing it, but I'm not okay with Derek Jeter
0: doing it. Yeah, well, it's a little bit different when you got a, a closer doing it, who, who's not such an everyday player, and then then you got that shortstop who's going out there every single day, and who, I mean, the closer could only play the team. Uh, go against the team once a year as you get the everyday shortstop who 's bound to go against uh, the same team you know what i 'm saying three times a series and vice versa it's it just the element of we see Jeter every day we don 't see rivera every day we don 't get we feel like we didn 't get enough of rivera
1: yeah, I agree, and of course Rivera blowing the o four uh a l c s also helps yes as well, because Red Sox fans have given him standing ovations ever since that day. And so that, that also has a different element to it. But I'm gonna, I, I, I get it. I get that Jeter parade's going to come through. The Red Sox are going to do something for him. They're going to give him something. They'll probably give him a, a number two or something, and they'll probably give him something from Red Sox, something from Fenway that established him. He'll probably go out, he'll probably sign the, the visitor's dugout like Rivera did for the bullpen. I get it. It's going to happen. I just I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. Now, look, Derek Jeter had a phenomenal career. I tip my hat off to him. And look, he could have done his career a lot differently. Look, there's no denying that he got around with a lot of women in his, in his career. There's no, there's no denying that. And I, and I love it because he did it the right way. He did it to the sense of he, was, he didn't pull a Tiger Woods. He didn't get married and then have sex with everybody. He just had sex with everybody. <laughs> so, and I think that was the one thing in his, his career that a lot of people who didn't like Derek Jeter tried to point out to get on his bat, to get people on his bad side was, well, he didn't really settle down. He wasn't really Mister Nice Guy. I'm like, but it doesn't matter. He came up in the clutch for the Yankees, and he was Mister. He's he was Mister Baseball for Yankees. He was Mister Yankee forever. He's the captain, and I get that. And but his, I do also understand. And this is the point I'm trying to make: is that if he did stuff off the field differently than he did it on, like if he did it differently than he did it now we could be singing a whole different tune now. Think about it. No one's throwing a a retirement parade for Tiger Woods. It's the way he handled himself off and on that's making him the legend. And I, and I do respect Derek Jeter and I do enjoy watching him play baseball. So I would tip my hat to him. If you haven't seen also side note, the Gatorade commercial that just came out with him. I do. It's phenomenal. If you're a New Yorker, especially if you're a New Yorker listening to this podcast, thank you, I guess. But if you're a New Yorker, that podcast almost like should make you choke up because he's been your guy for so long and so hard in New York. And he's won you those World Series. And yeah, they haven't won since 01, but he made some great plays for you. He's been there mentoring the young guys and being the leader of that team. Don't
0: forget about 08.
1: Don't forget about 08, of course. But I think going forward, the Yankees are going to have a tough time filling their his shoes for sure. Now, obviously, we've heard Stephen Drew was the attempt, the short term fix potentially, but. Still can't hit a lick. Still can't hit for crap. So he's not going to be the answer. Uh, shortlist I saw today, uh, JJ Hardy was on there, which would be, which wouldn't be an awful choice for him if they could swoop him away. Uh, Hanley Ramirez was also on their shortlist, but also I think the Red Sox have an interest in Hanley Ramirez as well. So definitely interesting to see who that plans out. Now, Nate, what do you think before we end this Jeter talk here? What do you think is the way that, what do you think they're going to do short term for shortstop?
0: short term for short stop i i do like j j hardy i think j j hardy would fit well in in Yankee Stadium, but uh, I could see them going after Hanley Ramirez. I mean, he just fits in with what they want. They want a high-money guy, uh, and they don't care about injuries. I mean, they didn't care about Jacoby Ellsbury's injury history with his hamstring and all that, and he hits the shelf. I mean, they got this guy they're paying $153 million to, and they're not getting the near production they should be getting out of him. They signed McCann, another injury-prone guy, And he's been on and off the shelf as well. So I could definitely see them signing Hanley Ramirez. But if they were smart, which I'm not entirely sure they're too smart to uh, go with the the right player rather than the player they're going to pay the most money to, I would go with J.J. Hardy. He fits well. He's a very, very good defensive shortstop. And questions swirl about who's going to be the third baseman. Is it going to be A-Rod? Are they going to be replacing A-Rod with a different third baseman? So definitely, uh, that side of the infield is not too locked up. So a guy like J.J. Hardy could bring range, athleticism, power, um, good two hitter, and I think it'd be a good fit in New York.
1: Yeah, I think short term Hardy would definitely be. I think Hardy will be the right choice if they can get him, for sure. But I do think that if Hanley Ramirez was to leave his current team in the Dodgers, and he could get, he would get away. I would love to see him come back to the Red Sox, and I've heard rumors swirl about that situation. But I don't think it would end up happening. Overall, I don't think it would. Ha- I don't think they'd have the guts to pay him. But um, I think that he would probably fit the most in New York, other than the Red Sox. Um, I would love to see the Red Sox reunion between him and uh, between them and Hanley because he would fit perfectly either at short or come in and at play third base. I think he would be phenomenal for this team especially where we have a question on the left side of the infield. I think he would help solidify that and give you a solid bat as well. And he's panned out to be exactly what the Red Sox thought he was going to be when they drafted him and they traded him away for Beckett that year. And that's – I'm hoping they could do it, but I don't think it will happen. But I think short-term for the Yankees, Hardy is definitely the way to go for that. Another quick Yankees side note, uh, just for, as for baseball fans in general, Gardner hit the Yankees' 15,000th home home run in Yankees history the other night um that's a lot of home runs in one franchise history I get the Yankees rolled but like of all guys to do it why would Brett Gardner I hate that Brett Gardner did it um I just don't Brett Gardner's not a home run guy it's only 17th of the year um I wish that he didn't hit it uh Brian McCann hit one as well and that was 499 why couldn't Brian McCann been the fifth 500th like, at least he's a power guy, he can hit some homers. Why Brett Gardner? Nate, does that bug you, or is that just me?
0: Uh, it doesn't bug me too much. I mean, Brett Gardner's uh, having a pretty good season, <clears throat> whatever he's taking up there in New York, so his power's starting to come around. I don't know what he's on, but uh, I-, I don't have an issue with Brett Gardner hitting it. I mean, like you mentioned, the guy's got 17 home runs. It, ha- it had to come from somebody, and as long as Arod didn't hit it, I'm all
1: set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that would have been the epitome of the Yankees More to elsewhere. not get it. <laughs> I would have laughed if... Yeah, no, Ellsbury can't... If yeah. Ellsbury hit it, that would have probably been the only way it pissed me off even more is if Ellsbury hit it. um, It would have been hilarious if A-Rod hit it after all this crap happened, and then A-Rod decided to hit the, the, etch his way into Yankee history somehow, besides negatively. <laughs> that would have been even better. That would have been a shot to that franchise. But uh, quick note, which is really shocking to me when you look at the numbers, the Yankees are the only Major League team with more than 14,000 home runs, never mind 15,000. Second place is the Giants with 13,983 home runs, and then the Cubs go to 13,354. The fact that the Yankees are the only team even over 14,000, never mind, they just hit 15, that's a lot. Like, that's crazy. I didn't even realize until I just looked at it that numbers were that far apart.
0: Yes, um, that's just credit to their old-time players. You know they had Ruth, Mantle, Gehrig, DiMaggio, Berra. Uh, you got A. Rod who ranks up there. You have Bernie Williams, Posada. They had the power players, uh, power hitters come through that system. And I know uh, I'm looking at the the leaders. Of Robbie Cano ranks 14, and Robbie Cano, he's got 204 uh, career home 204 career home runs for the Yankees. I mean they just they. Go out, they sign the players, and uh, the players produce in Yankee Stadium, especially now with the uh, short porch out there, they're going to have, have 20000 uh before the time's out pretty dang soon.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Wiffle Ball Stadium there in the Bronx helps, but like you said, the uh, the history and all those players like Ruth and Garrick and all them, Just I think that helps to pad those numbers because those teams were untouchable in terms of hitting the home run, and I think they're... I don't think that's ever, that's going to change for a while unless some team decides to bulk up on home runs to go after it because that's a lot of home runs and that era will never be forgotten in terms of home runs. So obviously a good milestone for the Yankees. Again, a little peeve that Gardner hit it, but again it could have been Ellsbury. So thank thankfully it wasn't Ellsbury. We don't need him etched in any Yankees history anytime soon. Um, I do want to talk about these hot uh, races going into last week of the season because. Like I said before, Nate, next time we're on, playoffs will be going on. So I want to I break these down and I kind of want to go through it like we usually do and kind of get the last really last chance we get to really talk about them and predict before we get out of here until the season winds down and the playoffs start. Now, three division leaders in the AL, Orioles, Tigers, Angels. Orioles already won their division. I believe the Angels already won their division as well. And Tigers are still fighting with KC. For the AL Central, now wildcard teams, athletics, Royals, of course, and then that Mariners team is sneaking up their game and a half. But the sad part is, in the last 10 games, the athletics, the Royals and the Mariners are all four and six. No, none of them have moved in the last 10 games. They, the, the standings haven't changed since like the beginning of September. And to me, it, it it almost pisses me off because I want the Mariners to get in the playoff because I think King for King Felix Hernandez deserves a shot. He hasn't really made the playoffs in his career, so I think the I want the Mariners to make it, but to, they're not proving they deserve it because even though the Athletics and Royals are both struggling, especially the Athletics, the Mariners have had chances. They could have just went six and four, and they could be ahead of the Royals and the A's and be in the top of the wild card race. They could have gone 500 and still only been a half game back. So I think the Mariners definitely losing their the chances here, but I still think Especially the to Mariners...
0: Especially Houston and Houston, you know, those are two winnable games.
1: Yeah, you're, you're losing to Houston. It almost kind of dis- discredits you for a playoff spot, but I think as bad as the Royals have been playing... Um, I really still believe that the Mariners squeak in there for that second wild card spot, Nate.
0: Yeah, I I, I like the Mariners all along, and I've said it. And I mean, they have a big, big series against Toronto that actually starts tonight. You should all tune in, and it, it's up in Toronto, and they're going to send their young uh, guy Jamie Paxton, who's an outstanding pitcher, followed by King Felix, uh, Ta'wan Walker, who's an outstanding pitcher, and Chris Young, who's given them a solid year at twelve wins. So, I mean. They need to take at least three of those games up in Toronto. And then they got the Angels, who the Angels aren't going gonna to sit down for them. So, you know, they have their hands full, the, uh, the stretch of the yeah, season. And um, I, I still believe, I still believe, Seattle, that you guys are going to get in.
1: <laughs> now, I think looking at the Royals' schedule the rest of the way, this week they have the Indians and then the White Sox. I think the best chance for Seattle to get past the Royals is obviously them to do well against Toronto and kind of control their own destiny. But the Indians who were playing KC are also not out of the wild card race yet. Now it's more of a long shot. But if the Indians kind of play well and can even take two out of three from the Royals, and then Seattle goes in and takes two out of three or even sweeps Toronto because Toronto's been playing horrible of late as well. I think that's your flip right there. Because the Royals end the season with a four-game series against the White Sox, and I don't see them losing more than one game to the White Sox as bad as the Royals have been playing. I just don't see them losing four games to the White Sox. So I think for the Mariners, the key for them is, one, them doing well against Toronto, no question. But I think even bigger of the key is that Cleveland series with KC coming up starting uh, tomorrow, I believe. No, tonight. Tonight. Starts tonight. Three-game series. And I believe that is the key... For the Mariners is them watching the Mariners, uh, watching the Royals play Indians as well as them taking business against the uh, Blue Jays.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely going to be a big series for, uh, for Kansas City. I mean, I, I know Danny Duffy is supposed to miss his start tonight, so um, definitely a test. Definitely a test. Can their uh, pitchers pitch past the uh, the hot Cleveland offense and you know, even if the Royals do get the wild card, that'd be a great, great story. But it's um, gonna be tough. They'll they'll send James Shields out there, no doubt about it. The, the wild card game, but you know, can they really can they really do it? Come the uh, big teams in the playoffs, you know what I'm saying? Can they really beat those Detroits? Can they really beat those Angels? And I just don't think they got they got enough pitching.
1: Uh, definitely not enough pitching there. It would be a good story to see him get in. Um, if they played the A's somehow, they'd probably beat the A's because the A's playing like crap. Um, that would probably be a better matchup for them than anybody else, but I, I guess the A's are really a good matchup for anyone at this point, the way they've been struggling since the All-Star break and the trade deadline. Now, shift to the, NFL, the NL, Nate. Um, Cardinals clinched the playoff spot, haven't clinched the division yet. Pirates are only two and a half games out, especially they're 8-2 and two in their last 10, and St. Louis is 7-3. and three. Now, I don't see the Pirates coming back to make up this two-and-a-half games in the next week. But the Cardinals playing as consistent as they are, and especially them coming out and saying they're not sitting back just happy with the playoff spot. They want that division. They're going gung-ho for the next week. I don't see the Pirates catching up. Do you think Cardinals win NL Central, Nate? Yes,
0: i have to say the Cardinals uh, pretty much have the NL Central locked up.
1: Yeah, two-and-a-half games doesn't seem like a lot, but when there's only a week left... and. Carpenter's pitching the way he is. I don't see them.
0: And what a downfall from Milwaukee! I mean, man, they were up ten games early in this season. That they have fallen big time.
1: The fact that they're seven games out right now with a week left is shocking to me. I mean, it's embarrassing for the Brewers and the Brewers organization, and it should be embarrassing as a to be a Brewers fan because you were the hottest team in baseball for a long time, and it looked like it was going to be the Brewers and the Cardinals and potentially the Pirates in a three team race, and now. You have the Pirates playing hot as of late to get back into it, but for a while it looked like the Cardinals really were going to walk away at this thing no problem because the Brewers couldn't keep it together and they couldn't figure out how to win for, for more than a couple months. It was it's sad, really.
0: It is, and uh, another team in that division uh, uh, worth mentioning, Cincinnati. I mean. You know, the Votto injury and all that, they have had some tough injuries this year, but they have been a little bit of a disappointment as well, 12 games under five hundred. I did expect a little bit more from them, and once again, I'm going to start it up. I think Mike Napoli would fit perfect in for uh, perfect in Cincinnati at first base. I don't see Votto sticking around there very long, and I think if they get the uh, chance to trade Votto, they could very well ship him out.
1: Uh, Yeah, I think Votto... It's not losing his value, but I think that he definitely might is not going to be since he since he bound long term. I do think Napoli would fit there once Fred Sox are done with him, whether he's got one maybe two years I think two years left on his contract um, no it's one it's just next year because this was this yeah, yeah me not thinking straight he's got next year left on his contract, and who knows what goes on after that if they believe they want to have Alan Craig stick around if they believe in him. You let Napoli play out, and then move Alan Craig to first. You have Mil- Middlebrooks, who could potentially play first. They really believe in him still, so a lot of options there as well. But I think Napoli, like you said, will be a great fit in Cincinnati eventually. But like, you, d- disappointing season for Cincinnati. They've been so successful the last few years and really been up there in the chase for the playoffs and everything. And being 12 games under 12 game- five hundred, even with the Votto injury, that shouldn't they shouldn't be that low. That's definitely a very disappointing season for them. Uh, shifting to the NL West now, Dodgers. Pretty much won that division already now too. It's they're four and a half games up with a week to go. Dodgers like uh, you were definitely you called that one Nate. Dodgers <laughs> winning that division. Dodgers winning that division. I wanted the Giants to I wanted the Giants to come through and pull it out, but I, I guess I, the too much offense and not enough pitching from the Giants over the last month of the season really just did them did them in. And I, I don't think the Giants have the capability to catch them now. In other hands, Giants will probably make the playoffs because right now they are. Three games out of three games up on the wild card above the Brewers, and I don't see the Brewers somehow going on a run the last week to catch them. Um, so, with every other team in the National League except for the Brewers and the Pirates and Giants eliminated from the wild card contention, right now the Pirates and Giants are both tied for the two wild card spots, and the Brewers are three games back of them. Realistically, you got to think the NL teams are the Cardinals, Dodgers, Nationals, with the Pirates and the Giants playing that NL wild card game.
0: Yes, I'd have to say. I mean, a team that we haven't mentioned much is Washington. Washington has been playing outstanding this year. I looked up the run differential; they're plus 128. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's some phenomenal, phenomenal baseball being played down in Washington. Their pitching's coming around, the offense is coming around. I mean, that that team. I, th- if this isn't their year, I don't know what it is, because this this team has some real potential this year.
1: They finally have put a whole season together.
0: Yes, finally. F-
1: f- finally, because there have been years here and there where they've gotten a few a few good months and then fallen off, or a few good months at the tail end after some injuries. They have 91 wins, and they finally feel like they're a team that could do some damage and potentially win a World Series. And Steven Strasburg's finally pitching well again for this team, and he hasn't really panned out to be the ace that they thought he was going to be, but he's a solid pitcher, and he pitched a solid game his last outing, and I think he earned the right to pitch game one for wherever, whenever, they, whenever they start their playoff run. I think he's earned the right to be their number one starter going into the playoffs.
0: Yes, he very well, uh, very well has. And, you know, the, the good thing about their rotation is, you know, they don't need him to be the ace. They just need him to slot in and that, anywhere. I mean, they, they feel like they have four aces, Zimmerman, uh, Gonzalez, and Fister, and even that uh, young guy Rourke's pitching well. So, I mean, those four guys definitely complement each other nice. They all bring some a different element to the table. One will bring a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. One, one will bring a devastating hook, change-up. You got righty left. I mean, they have a very good rotation, and that rotation looks prime to the
1: postseason. That rotation with a balanced offense of lefty righty haters and power hitters, they are prime to win a World Series this year, of course. Now, right now, Pirates, quick scenario situation, Pirates and Giants are tied. If they finish the season tied, Pirates host the wild card game because they have the upper hand head to head over the season. I believe it's six to four in favor of the Pirates, something like that. Either way, if they do tie, Pirates win that and they will host the wild card game against the Giants. So Giants and Pirates all but into the wild card round, but still have something to play for in terms of that one game being at home. And man, Pittsburgh would love to be at home because their home crowd, when they, Pittsburgh fans are crazy when they're doing well.
0: <laughs> yes, they are. And, uh, you know, good for Pittsburgh. Playoff bound. Uh, after last year, you know, they really they really loaded up that team. They uh, added some surprise guys uh, before the trade deadline and uh, guys like Marlon Bird. And, you know, the fans, when they saw all those guys walk, uh, the team wasn't able to retain them. They said, oh, no, not again. We're not going to go into another another <laughs> yeah. losing season. And, you know, I, I've been very surprised what that team's done. They've done a hell of a job.
1: Yeah, it's been definitely a great year. So for them to come back and fight their way into the playoffs, I love the Pirates. Andrew McCutcheon's a favorite player of mine, of course. The athleticism and just the raw talent that he has as well. And I think my
0: dream Red Sox, right there.
1: Yeah, he would fit so well into the system if they ever let him go. But uh, that's just me dreaming and dreaming and dreaming some more in that point. But either way, we are either yeah, right. That's basically it. Either way, we are out of time. Before we let you go for the week, we just want to remind you that uh, on. For CNS, you can get semi-regular updates and breaking news from CNS Radio. It's good stuff. Uh, you can get sign up sign yourself up for the CNS Fans E Blast if you text on board no space to two two eight two eight. Again, it's on board for two two eight two eight. You get free coverage and updates, and you can also go onto our website CNS Radio backslash Team Feed to choose your team coverage and get updates and all that stuff. It's good stuff. Also, quick reminder for our, our sake, just. Don't forget to share and follow our Twitter at Red SoxB. A lot of our updates for this podcast come through that. Other than that, of course, stay tuned for our Facebook page. But besides that, I think Nate and I are good for the week now. We've got our rants out. We're good. We've got some time to think about more for next week. We've got a good, some good races still going up in Major League Baseball despite the Red Sox boring final week coming up too. Um, enjoy, the, obviously, the Yankees and the Derek Jeter farewell tour if you're into that kind of thing. And enjoy until next week, until the first playoff edition of a Red Sox beat. My name is Nate. My name is Jared Galley with Nathan Rollins for CianusRadio.com. And to of course enjoy the baseball, and we'll talk to you guys next week as always, same time.